Blog Talk Radio. I'm not sure what happened there. Um, welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside is, of course, uh, LPGA professional and Legends Tour player, Cindy Miller, and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf Show, and good morning and welcome, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are we today? I'm doing very me? well, thank you. Um, yes, I can. I can now. Um, Wanted to welcome everybody this morning to the show, and, and as, as always, we are live Tuesday mornings uh, from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern time here on blogtalkradio.com, and uh, got a great show for you this morning. Let me just remind everybody very quickly, though, uh, best way to find us, go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf, and that will take you to the main page, and the live broadcast from 9 to 10 will be right there at the top, uh, but for some reason, if you can't join us live, just scroll down to the on-demand section and uh, you can listen to the previously recorded shows uh, when it's convenient for you. Also available at iTunes.com, search under podcasts, just type in Women of Golf, and that will take you there, and you can listen through iTunes as well. Um, If you're interested in coming on the show, if you're in the golf industry and you want to reach out to us, uh, you can reach out to either Cindy or myself. Cindy's email is cindy at cindymillergolf.com, and uh, mine, of course, is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Got a great show for you this morning, starting off uh, here in just a few moments. Uh, Going to be joined by a uh, very special guest, Tim Forbes. He's the uh, VP of uh, Tour Relations at TRG Golf, and he's in the sports management business uh, for the past 20 years or so, and uh, specializing in golf event marketing and production, and he'll be joining us here in a few minutes. And then a little bit later on the broadcast, uh, Kelly's daughter, uh, uh, sorry, Cindy's daughter, Kelly Miller, Alicia, uh, uh, producer at the Golf Channel, is going to be joining us uh, from the players uh, so we're very excited to have her uh, join us back here on the show as well. Um, Cindy, while well, we've got a few minutes while we wait for Tim to come on board, why don't you uh, share with the folks uh, a little bit about uh, your Learn to Hit It kit? Yes, the Learn to Hit It kit. You, I'm going to teach you how to hit it clean, airborne, and straight on purpose anywhere. It could be your living room, your front porch, your hotel room, or your backyard. Included in the kit is a portable golf mat with foam balls, a Golf 101 book, a coupon for 10% off any Callaway club, and a 10-module online course that you can watch on your iPad as you hit balls in your backyard. So if you're interested in purchasing it, it's $99, and you can buy it at learntohititkit.com. Very good. And as always, uh, Cindy, you do a great job in, in coming up with some very creative and innovative ways to help grow the game. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks, um, you know, out there always make excuses. Well, I don't have enough time to the, go to the golf course or the driving range. Um, you've pretty much eliminated that excuse platform by coming up with this kit. And uh, you did a great job. And uh, it's just one of those things that uh, there, there's really no excuse. And, and, Cindy, I look at this, and, and it goes back to what you always say. You know, you've said this many, many times on the show. It goes back to the reason really why, you know, why you're playing golf in the first place. And I think once you answer that question, depending on what, what your response is, I think that you have to make some level of commitment. If you're somebody that's just going to play once or twice a year, you know, we understand you're not going to want to in, invest a lot of time, money, or, or effort into playing. Um, you're just out there to, you know, have a, a little bit of fun once in a while. But if you're somebody that's really a little more serious about their game, um, wouldn't you agree, Cindy, that you, you have to make some level of commitment um, in, in doing so, correct? Well, you don't get real good at this game if you don't. So you must invest time, energy, money to 
get better at this game or you or you just don't. This is not a game that you can just pick up and and be good. I mean, you can have some talent, but to really become a player, you right. have to invest time and uh, practice time and learning time and all that stuff. So you're absolutely right. I, I, yeah, I think what a lot of it is, Cindy, and, and you know, I don't know if this is 100% correct – I think a lot of people are under the misconception that they've got to invest a great deal. I mean, obviously, if you want to play on the tour and that, yes, uh, you know, I'll backpedal a little bit. You've got to spend a lot of time and, and a lot of commitment, a lot of resources to get to that high caliber level. But if you're somebody, you know, weekend warriors, we call it, um, and just want to get out there maybe once or twice a week and play, you certainly don't have to be as diligent as, as somebody on the LPGA or, or PGA. Um, but having said that, you, you have to have some level of commitment. And I think that the problem is with a lot of folks is they think that they, they've got to just, you know, beat ball after ball after ball. And really, there's a smart way to do it. Um, you know, you have to go in with it with a purpose. You've got to go in with a game plan. And I think no better person um, can equip you for that than some of your fellow uh, golf professionals out there. You know, we've got the skills and the expertise that we've been trained to show you how to maximize uh, your time and make it efficient. And I think, Cindy, you know, this is what you try to do. I mean, you know, people just think that they've got to go out there and spend, you know, incredible lengthy hours out at the driving range. And really in a 20 or 30 minute session, they can get a lot of, a lot accomplished if they practice smart, correct? Well, you have to focus your attention on your intention, if you will, and which right. is organizing your yeah, thoughts and, rather than just whacking away. So, absolutely. Mm-hmm. What do uh, on? And I mean, I know obviously your your time uh, is different now, uh, and you're not playing as much as you you did before. But when you were sort of in the heat of play. Um, how much time on average do you think, can you recall, did you spend uh, practicing your, your, your game? At, at you any, know, I don't session? even, I, well, I don't even know. I can just tell you that you live, eat, sleep, breathe, and drink golf. So it's, <laughs> it, it's, you know, I mean, it's daily all the time. Even when you're not practicing, you're thinking about it. So right. I, I, you know, all the time. Right. So. Well, and but as a player though, that's that's a little bit different than some of our amateurs out there. I mean, obviously they're not going to do that um, to the same extent. I mean, you you wanted to, you know, you want to play competitively. You want to, um, you know, do your best out there. So obviously you you have to have your your mindset um, geared towards that. But for some of our golfers out there, as I said, that maybe just want to play a couple times a week, or maybe even just once or twice a month. Um, they don't necessarily have to eat, sleep, and breathe golf. Um, they can do a lot of other things. And I think it's good also, Cindy, would you agree, to be active in other sports, not just all golf. I think you know, being active in other sports uh, keeps you in good condition, keeps you athletic, and, and helps you, uh, even with your golf game, you know, people that play tennis or baseball or other sports uh, keep themselves physically active and in shape, and that can certainly pay dividends out in the golf course as well, right? I agree, but I think if you're going to make golf your major sport, once you're 12 or 13, you need to make a decision, especially if it's baseball, because baseball and golf do not get along. And hockey, right. you know, yes, you can play hockey. Crew, right. you can do crew. You can do basketball. You just can't do um, you can't do baseball and golf. That's not going to work. Right. Right, and and the the point, I, yeah, the point I'm making is just to be active out there. But yeah, you're right. Some sports are are more conducive uh, to to helping your golf game than, than others would be. Um, let me just read a little bit. I, I know he's not quite with us yet, but let me just read a little bit about our, our guest coming up this morning. Uh, Tim Forbes, as I mentioned, he's the VP Tour Relations at TRG Golf. Um, he's worked in the sports management business for nearly 20 years, specializing in golf event marketing and production. Uh, in the early stages of his career, he was employed almost exclusively on the professional tour side uh, with stints on the Futures, uh, or now Symmetra Tour, the LPGA Tour, and the PGA Tour's uh, World Golf Championships. Uh, he went on to work as a general manager for golf clubs in the Nashville, Tennessee area, as well as Orlando, Florida. And in 2009, he founded Sports 
uh, Walkabouts LLC uh, to focus exclusively on creating quality competitive opportunities for avid amateurs. And in that role, he co-directs the Long Beach Golf Festival, which we'll talk about uh, here when he joins us, uh, the country's longest-running continuous annual series of high-level amateur tournaments. Uh, the circumstance that sparked his uh, evolution from spectator-oriented sports uh, work to participate-based event production were chronicled in his 2013 book, It's Game Time Somewhere. Very interesting title for a book. Um, uh, I want to hear a little bit more about that as well, but... Uh, Let's uh, welcome, I see that he's ready, let's uh, welcome our very special guest this morning, Tim Forbes. Good morning. Good morning to you both. Thanks for getting up so Good early. Good morning, Tim. We Thank you. appreciate it. Oh, I just, I've been up literally minutes. It's really nothing. No, I, I really appreciate <laughs> I appreciate the invitation. Tim, so why don't you start and, us off? Uh, I'm sorry? No, sorry, I was just going to say, Cindy, go ahead to start us off. So I, our our listeners don't realize that we've had a relationship. Well, not that kind of relationship, but how long have we known each other? Oh gosh, well over ten years, probably more like uh, closer to fifteen by now. I think you're right. Um, and Tim and I used to do a lot of events on the Symmetra Tour uh, for different companies, and we would do clinics, and then we would teach business golf and tim actually wrote my book that no one wants to publish <laughs> but um but he did a marvelous job writing this great book with lots of good stories and then he uh retired or quit the symmetra tour the lpga why don't you tell us what you did since you went to california uh well the the uh, desire to live in California nosed out the desire to uh, continue to work for the tours. Uh, my wife and I love living here. And uh, we had a deal back uh, oof, some years ago that the first person to get a great job in California and we would move. So we did that. Uh, I resigned from the LPGA tour in my position but stayed on as a you know, kind of a consultant and did some client work with them and with you. Uh, and when I came out here, I hung out my own shingle. Uh, my company is called Sports Walkabouts LLC, and uh, I do all kinds of different participant-based sporting events, uh, everything from the Special Olympics World Games, uh, where I helped manage the golf facility uh, in 2015, to uh, what I'm doing now, the Long Beach Golf Festival, which, uh, Ted, as you had pointed out, is the longest continuous-running um, event or series of events uh, like it in the country. So I've really hmm. focused much more on giving people the opportunity to play and compete as opposed to uh, kind of the spectator sports side of the business. Very interesting. Um, Tim, let me ask you something real quick. Um, one of the interesting points that kind of caught my eye was really the first one that you sent over to us. Um, and, and, and I'll read it exactly as you sent it. The strange, nutty business that has mystical hold on people like us. Um, we are a little bit of an odd bunch, aren't we? We are. This this business is obviously nobody goes into this business <laughs> to make a lot of money. Uh, and it is, um, uh, I've I discovered, I've done, uh, we can talk about it if you'd like uh, a little later on, but I've been to many, many, many different types of sporting events involving what people might call the second tier sports, the ones that don't get a lot of attention and coverage. And uh, what I discovered right. is uh, these, this kind of community of sport that builds up, this really tight-knit group of people uh, that's pretty far-flung because with the Internet, people can keep track of each other and their sport. And they live for these recreational, uh, very competitive, but recreational opportunities uh, where they go to compete and also because it's a community of like-minded people about that sport. And to me, golf is the right. epitome of that. Uh, golf Golfers will find each other in a crowd and will always have something to talk about. And those of us that kind of work in the business and, and um, make it possible for that community of sport to exist, uh, to me that's the reward more so than kind of the big bucks that you might get working for, <clears throat> you know, football or baseball or another, uh, you know, high-profile sport. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. And it's funny, you know, if you go into a, a, a prospective client's office, one of the first things you'll see on their desk, if they're a golfer, 
is a picture of their foursome, and in the background, his wife and his kids will be the next mm-hmm. picture in line. So you know where the priorities are, and that's that's true in a lot of cases. Um, Cindy, I know you've Absolutely. got Absolutely, and, it, and well. it go ahead. It isn't just golf. I mean, you take you got the word golf, but golf is much more um, uh, commonplace to see in that scenario that you described. But it may be biking, it may be running, right. it may be uh, curling. It's it's if there's a sport. I've always joked because uh, I've done a lot of work in sponsorship sales. I've always joked that the biggest uh, service that somebody could do for everybody involved is to make C-level employees, i.e., the people that are writing the checks for sponsorships, register as to what their hobbies are. So that if you're selling a sponsorship for a golf tournament, you can skip all the people that don't like golf and go right to the golf guys. And you know, same thing for running, for biking, and so right. on and so forth. Because people, you know, become invested uh, in that sport for the community, uh, and then for all the other people in that sport, and then they tend to you know, kind of uh, put their money where their passion is. You're exactly right, um, Cindy. Go ahead. Tell us about your book, because I think that's very intriguing. Uh, My book is Game Time Somewhere. Um, When I got to the point where I was doing uh, uh, work exclusively in the spectator sports arena, uh, I noticed that I had started to um, not really watch sports or follow sports, and I've always been a a sports fan my whole life. And... uh, um, it started to concern me that I really hadn't have much interest in watching sports because I was working in sports. Uh, so I decided to uh, get in touch with my get back in touch with my inner sports fan, and uh, I signed a, a sponsor, uh, and I did a, a one-year project where over the course of one year I went to a hundred different sporting events involving fifty completely different sports, you know, some sports that I had never even heard of. Uh, and about halfway through that project, uh, which was really enjoyable, as, as you might think, it was as, as fun as it sounds, uh, what I realized uh, first and foremost is the sports that I had kind of been checking the box off just to kind of fulfill the obligation um, were actually the ones that I started to really enjoy and really follow, uh, whereas the big-time uh, sporting events that I went to held the least amount of interest to me, and I started to kind of get, um, you know, ingrained or attached to these community of sports and all of the synchronized swimming and synchronized skating and lawn bowling and and all of these really cool sports that people just have such a passion for playing. And uh, so Mm -hmm. I I saw a book in that, and long story short, uh, the book was published in 2013, and uh, the biggest lesson that I took away from the book, and I think the people who read it will say the biggest sports fans in America are those that are playing one as opposed to watching one. Huh. Right. Yeah, that's, that's so true. That is true. I think that, you know, a lot of people, uh, Tim, you're exactly right, a lot of people sit in the sidelines and certainly enjoy watching football or, or baseball or whatever their passion is, but you're right, the, the ones that truly love the sport are the ones that get out there and play it. Even regardless of their ability, they get out there and play it and enjoy it. Right. And that's the beauty of golf, because golf, with the handicapping system, uh, you can play alongside someone who has much more ability than you, um, but with the handicapping system, you can have a competitive recreational event. And I think that's what people really care the most about, is to be able to compete and have fun. Yeah, competition. Everybody likes a little bit of competition, yeah, and, and I think golf does that probably better than any other sport because it has a great equalizer, as you just pointed out. The handicap system makes it so that, uh, you know, most of the other sports, if you've got somebody that's not, not very good, um, they're, they're less likely to want to play. But you'll see some golfers out there that are hitting it all over the, the, the course, and they just love it so much, even though they can't play well. Um, but with that, that system, they're able to go out there and at least feel like they can compete on, on some level, and, and that's fantastic. Tell us um, about the Long Beach uh, Golf Festival. How did that start, and and what um, what what's entailed in it? Well, it's uh, I actually nobody that I could find could tell me how it started because it started almost a hundred years ago, so nobody's alive today just to to describe how it actually got <laughs> underway. Uh, 
the earliest roots that I've been able to discover is uh, 1923. There was a Long Beach Open that was, you can't really tell whether it was professional amateur, but Walter Hagen won it uh, and didn't get any fanfare or anything like that. He was just there and he won. And, and uh, the earliest purely um, amateur event uh, took place a couple years later in, in 1926 when they had the Long Beach Men's City Championship, which was a, a pure amateur competition. Uh, and that was conducted in match play format. And that tournament has been conducted every year since then. And the I, I think there were a couple years off during World War II, but the 91st rendition of that will take place in June here. Uh, a couple years after that, 1928, uh, and this I got a real kick, a real kick out of this, Cindy. I'm sure you will as well. When you go back to the archives and you look at the the winners for the first several years of the women's amateur championship, uh, the women were known only by their married name. So Mrs. F. G. Wilson won the first Long Beach Women's City Championship uh, in huh. 1928. Oh, and again, wow. that has contested continuously uh, until then. So all kinds of people have come through um, you know, one event or the other. Uh, well, first of all, let me tell you, in its, in its current uh, state right now, it is a series of seven events that starts off in May and runs through into August. Uh, and it kind of checks off uh, all the boxes in terms of who gets a chance to compete. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a senior amateur championship, which starts next week, and we have 200 people registered for that. Uh, then the match play tournament. Then we have a men's city championship, women's city championship, uh, a junior championship, uh, and the and then we have an amateur qualifier for what uh, has been the capstone event, which is the Long Beach Open, and that is the largest um, independent mini tour event, if you will. It's a completely independent professional event, so it's not related to a mini tour. It's a standalone event which draws over 300 uh, participants each year, professional. Uh, golf professionals. Wow. Uh, and so, Cindy, I'm sure you can probably point out what's missing from that picture. Got men's and women's amateur, senior, junior, men's pro, and. Women's professional. So, this year will be the first <laughs> Long Beach Women's Open, uh, August 1st through 3rd. Uh, and it'll be mirror, mirrored after the men's. Pro tournament. It's actually a cactus tour uh, sanctioned event, um, and we're looking forward to making a little bit more history here uh, with the Long Beach Women's Open the first time around. Isn't that cool? I think I so. I think that's fantastic, and and I'm pretty sure you'll have no time, uh, no problem filling up that uh, uh, that event with uh, with participants. I'm quite sure if it's not already done so, I'm sure you'll have no problem filling it up. Uh, yeah, I think it's actually in May. I'd have to talk to Mike Brown, who runs the Cactus Tour, but it's pretty close to full already. Um, the the Women's City Championship, uh, the amateur event, really is a college tournament, uh, an unorganized, uh, not unorganized, but an unaffiliated college tournament. It takes place in June, and last year we had 72 uh, women, uh, and I think 64 of them played Division One or Division Two golf somewhere in the country, but it lived in Southern California. So what we're doing for the Women's City Championship is the top, the winner gets an automatic exemption to play as an amateur in the first Long Beach Women's Open, and the top 10 get the opportunity to register uh, to play as amateurs, and I would imagine that most of them will jump on the chance to play in a professional tournament as an amateur, uh, you know, during the summer. It, you know, how else? I can't think of a better way to stay sharp for your college season than to play in a couple of very, very high-profile uh, events during the summer. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. Um, Tim, let me ask you something, because you've obviously been around golf for a long time in, in very aspect, uh, various aspects of it. What's the most surprising thing that you see in today's game compared to, say, 20 years ago? What, what sort of stands out in today's game that differs um, in your, in your uh, assessment? Well, um, I'm a little biased because of all the work that I've done in women's golf, but the embrace of golf by um, you know, junior girls is so mm. much more prevalent than even 10 years ago. Um, and I think 
golf at some point along the way, and maybe Cindy, you can help me out with this, became cool for young girls to play. And it just, instead of it being kind of a geeky, dorky sport that the you know, the boys played, uh, girls really embraced it and, and have so much fun with it and learning it. And then with Title IX uh, kicking in, uh, the scholarship opportunities certainly got parents' attention because the number of women's golf teams, college golf teams, exploded uh, towards the latter half of the 90s. And for a while there, if you were a high school uh, golfer uh, and, and you could break 85 on a regular basis, you could get a scholarship to play women's golf in college. So I think the combination of that and just, um, you know, a little bit of the Tiger effect uh, and a little of the Annika effect, I think, really drew young girls into the game. And when I'm on site at one of our events, um, yeah, there are, it's not unusual at all to see large uh, groups of girls there using the practice facilities uh, or following other groups. Um, that are competing in one of the tournaments. It's it's just very common. Uh, the golf course has become very um, uh, gender neutral, if you will. Yeah. On the on the flip side of that, what something that you would still like to see? What changes would you like to see that maybe haven't happened yet? Is there anything that you can think of? Um, I think the there's a fledgling movement that I think is. Uh, um, and I don't know the details, but I know sometime in the last couple of months, both the RNA and the USGA have decided to really take a good look at kind of relax, not relaxing, but revising some of the rules that, you know, someone new to the game might look at and say, that's kind of ridiculous, um, which I think is a good thing uh, because it's a hard yeah. game to learn. And I think that um, the industry should do whatever it can to not only get people to try it, but once they try it, not chase them away by giving them a, a laundry list of things you can't do while you're just trying to get comfortable and get oriented in this game. So I think that's a good trend that we're, um, you know, kind of defining golf. For those that are that pick up the game and have a natural aptitude for it uh, and, you know, that feel very comfortable competing with the traditional rules of golf, that's great. I think there's a lot of opportunity to create competitive opportunities for people in golf that don't necessarily hew to the traditional rules of golf. And I think we've got a ways to go in that regard. Yeah, I, I agree. That's that's a good, a very good assessment. Um, Cindy, I know you've got... Uh... So tell us what you're doing to really promote this Women's Open and the programs and things you're going to do and what are your plans for the fall? Uh, for the, the Long Beach Women's Open, um, first of all, Long Beach uh, is kind of the best kept secret city-wise in golf uh, in the country. And, and, I, and not, I don't say that specifically because I run the event, because I lived in Southern California for years and never even knew it existed until the opportunity came around for me to, to co-direct it. Um, it, is, it is Golf City, USA. And uh, it's just never really celebrated. Celebrated. For example, two of the original founders of the LPGA are from Long Beach, the Bauer sisters, uh, and they both traded off winning the Women's City Amateur for several years. Uh, Laura Baugh won the Women's City Amateur the year before she, uh, when she was 15 years old, the year before she went on to uh, um, win the uh, U.S. Women's Amateur. There's stories like that interspersed throughout Long Beach, both on the men's and the women's side. So for a preamble, if you will, to the um, the Women's Long Beach Open, we're having a Celebrate Long Beach Women's Golf Day. Uh, there's six high school girls golf teams in the city of Long Beach, if you can believe that, all fully you know, uh, competitive. Um, and so we're going to have uh, a pro high school tournament as opposed to a pro, you know, a pure pro-am, and, and let these girls who have their eye on a collegiate career play alongside with some pros in a tournament. And then we're also going to have a clinic for rising juniors that, that really have shown a passion for the game, and uh, as well as you know women who have been playing in Long Beach forever and just want to get together and celebrate the fact that women's golf in Long Beach is... Uh, has got a phenomenal history that has 
not really been coalesced into a full celebration until this year. So that's what we have prior to the actual tournament. Uh, in in the subsequent years, uh, a personal goal of mine is to have a pro-ams that takes place on the day after. The, the, the Men's Long Beach Open ends on the uh, final Sunday in July, uh, and then the Women's Long Beach Open takes place Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday afterward. So on that Monday, my goal is to have a pro-am in which one male professional and one female professional play alongside two amateurs. Uh, and every pro that I've talked to about that, their eyes light up, and I think that's a phenomenal idea because it uh, it highlights that that kind of you know gender equality that's um, coming to the fore in golf now, and it also you know gives them an opportunity to get to know um, people that you know, practice their craft as well that they might not otherwise be able to meet, and then for amateurs it's just uh, I mean being hosted by a male and a female golfer I think um, is a really really great experience for amateur golfers so. So that's uh, on the radar screen to pull together starting in 2018. Wow, that's fantastic! Yeah, and uh, you're you're right. You know, a lot of amateurs I think look forward to. And Cindy, I know you've played in a number of programs, and I'm sure that you get some great feedback uh, through a lot of the amateurs that that get to play in that part of the event. Um, I'm sure a lot of them have have made some great comments over the years about how much they enjoy uh, and and learn from playing alongside great professionals like yourself. Correct. Absolutely, absolutely. It's just a, a great experience. A little funny story. I Fantastic. Kind of, kind of, uh, I, I tossed out the idea to a couple of the uh, male <clears throat> pros from the Long Beach Open last year just in conversation. I said, what if there was an opportunity for you to play with uh, a female professional in this in this format? And <laughs> all of them, I think their collective response was, would we have to pay to do that? They were, just, they were so enthused about the idea. <laughs> That's good. We like that. <laughs> maybe extra, maybe pay extra. Yeah. Um, exactly. Fantastic. Well, Tim, we want to uh, uh, thank you for joining us this morning. I know you're early there in, in California and uh, we want to take this opportunity to thank you and appreciate the time that you've given us this morning. I know it's early. So, uh, Thanks for getting up and, and spending a little bit of time with Cindy and I this morning. My pleasure. It's uh, always uh, I always look forward to the opportunity to talk to Cindy Miller whenever I possibly can. So uh, <laughs> early, <laughs> not a problem. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks, Tim. All right, You're no problem. Best. Thank you. All right, bye bye. All right, that was uh, Tim Forbes, our very special guest this morning. And waiting in the wings, of course, uh, you know this young lady, uh, Cindy, so um, I'm going to just do a little bit of an intro here, and then you're going to welcome her uh, on the show this morning. Uh, of course, I'm talking about Cindy's daughter, Kelly Miller Alicia. Uh, she books the talents and produces uh, on the Golf Channel and, and gets a lot of the great guests that you see uh, on Morning Drive and Golf Central and, and even uh, during some of the breaking news. Uh, she's been a two-time producer for the NBC Olympics and uh, Jimmy Roberts, uh, which she says she's going back for the third time and has been at the Golf Channel for 10 years now and started uh, back in 2007 as a uh, personal assistant, as a freelancer, and uh, just doing some great things on the Golf Channel. So, Cindy, why don't you uh, welcome Kelly uh, to the show. Good morning, my dear. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. You said it's crazy there. Do you have to, like, it not is- be on the air? It is crazy. I may have to hop off. We are. Um, there was a big announcement this morning that with FedEx and the PGA Tour that they're extending their partnership, and we have Dom Chu from CNBC here. So we're just I'm running around crazy, but I'm good for right now. Okay. Well, if you have to go, let us know. So tell us about that. What does that mean? I mean, you're because you are the talent booking producer. For morning drive, when breaking news happens, what's what's the headache or the spinning of plates? Tell us about that. Yes. So basically, um, I book guests and uh, stuff for morning drive, golf central, breaking news. So when Mr. Palmer died, we had over a hundred people call in talking about their memories of Mr. Palmer and stuff. So it um, we're the main people to in contact for players and. Uh, 
guests, and so it's player relations. Um, so, for example, this morning there was an announcement that they did on our live from set. We're here at the Players Championship in Ponte Vedra, um, and they did it on our live from set. Live from is uh, our, one of our news shows, and their setup is on the back by the tee box of 17, and then Morning Drive is here on the driving range. So they did a, an announcement about the FedEx Cup on our live from set for CNBC. And then once they were finished with that, Morning Drive was on the air from 7 to 9 a.m. Um, we had Dom Chu come over here from CNBC uh, and do an interview with one of our talent, Carl Robinson. Um, and then we, he's just taping some stand-ups for CNBC that can be seen aired later today on various programming there. So um, it's just working with guests and golfers and everything to make sure everything flows smoothly and if they have questions, they come to us, and we're kind of the go-between between producers of the show and certain areas, and then the guests. Wow, I'm tired. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired too, Kelly. That's uh, that's you, were, you weren't kidding, Cindy, when you said spin, spinning plates. Um, but you have to admit, though, you're as as I'm sure stressful at times, Kelly, uh, with with having to sort of you know last minute like that. Uh, there's a certain excitement too to, to kind of be in the know and, and when things come up like like the announcement this morning, um, and obviously it's something that you enjoy and have been looking forward to, to, to doing uh, for for a long time. What, what do you like most about your job? I think that I like most because I was a producer and I started as a producer and I was a feature producer, so I know with working with talent and golfers, I know what will work well. And so I think that it's neat when I can bring that knowledge to then helping book guests and stuff. So it's still, I'm being able to be creative. Let's, let's do something a little different. Let's do something this way versus just booking the guests and saying, okay, here you go. Um, and, and it's nice because I can do my job from anywhere. So if I, I have an 18 month old, if she's sick from school or, you know, I can send emails from home. I can call and book guests from home. So that's one of the nice things that I do like, but it's, being creative, how can we do something different? So I help set up shoots. You know, if there's a one of our um, GolfChannel.com writers, Rex Hoggard, uh, was in the Marines, and so he pitched a story about going to Paris Island, which is where he went through basic training, um, to do something for Memorial Day. So, you know, a lot of people are busy doing stuff, so I kind of helped with him. We got a crew, and he was able to go um, up there uh, uh, the week after the Masters, and he did a piece where – he went through basic training again, and we're going to air it on Memorial Day. So it's, you know, working with different entities and stuff to make things happen, you know, because a lot of things get stuck or somebody don't, doesn't follow through or, you know, it's my job to make sure everything flows smoothly and gets done too. Right. What a, What about the flip side? What's the most difficult thing? I mean, obviously that's hard in itself, but – What's the most challenging aspect of your job that you find that's, that can be really tough at times? Um, I would say, hmm, I mean, I travel a lot, but that's still, it's, it's really not that much, so it's not too bad, so that's still a good part of it. I would, I'm not sure what would be the most challenging. Maybe it's, there's a lot of requests that we get for certain things. So we really need, we, we make sure that we're streamlining stuff. So um, I think right. if we have to turn somebody down on a request because we have too many requests for certain things, I think maybe that would be, right. that's a little challenging because you, I, uh, yeah. you know, I want to make sure everything works out, but sometimes it just won't. In other words, having to say no sometimes is, is challenging yeah. in itself. And, yeah, I, mean, I, could, yeah. I could see that. Yeah, that would be. Um, Cindy, go ahead. I know you've got some, some questions for Kelly. Tell us again, because some of the listeners won't know, what, does it, what is a feature producer? A feature producer is, so if you're watching TV and you're watching any news, uh, but, like, feature producers are more, um, if you see a package or air, something that's, like, two or three minutes or five minutes or, um, they put together a story that you'll watch. So we, a feature producer would go on a shoot, would conduct interviews with people, would then, um, they set up the shoot, where you're going to shoot, they've come up with a schedule, they put together a script, 
you know, then they'll sit with an editor and you edit a, this feature and um, eventually it'll be on the air. Now, a lot of times you do work with talent, but sometimes a feature producer just does all, you know, writes it, goes on the shoot, and then somebody just tracks it. Sometimes if it's a different story and um, one of the talent will work on it with you with the script or they'll write it and then you cut it. So basically it's putting together those um, packages, I would say, that are that you if you're watching TV and it's a story about um, one of the stories if we had a story about a golfer or the stuff that I did for Jimmy it's a piece on how a certain athlete right so it's a, it's something that you're getting to know something a little bit better and that's basically a feature. So a video story. Yes, with words and music and um, pictures and voices. Yes, a video story. Kelly, let me ask you a question, and I imagine, I think I already know the answer, but I'm just curious. Um, when you put together uh, a segment that's, let's say, going to be airing um, you know, later this week, and something happens and, and you know, the wheel falls off the bus, in other words, do you have a backup plan? Do you have to put together something as a backup in case that story can't go through for whatever reason? Uh, is, does that yeah. ever happen very often? Um, a lot of times, so what do you do in a case like that? They, if they were going to cut, like, so let's say the producers today, we had, let's say we had a guest scheduled and that guest has to cancel, then, you know, they have to fill that content, that two, you know, five minute segment, segment, five to six, seg- you know, minute segment with something. So either they'll add a chat or talk, or maybe there's a feature that could air, or maybe they just re-air something. So it all just depends on the show and the producer that day or what content it is and you know but it's sometimes definitely if something doesn't work out you know they may be scrambling in the control room to try to fill something but a lot of times if they'll have something on tape they can re-air something sure if it aired or they just add a talk chat you know with talent and one of our analysts and they can you know come up with something but a lot of the stuff for for morning drive is you know planned and they produced it now live from is on right now and they're They'll be listening to press conferences today. Um, some guys will be out on the, the, you know, having laying in a practice round, so you'll see some shots. You know, they kind of they plan it, but you know, it could be, hey, we were able, we just got an interview with this person, let's fit that in. So it, it all just depends on, you know, the the show and the content kind of that they need to use. So so you have to do some uh, last minute improvising sometimes too if, if yes. a situation presents itself. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, that's been that's yeah. interesting. Wow. Yeah. So a lot um, of times, like, you know, they'll, they'll, like, if something cancels and somebody can't come on, then, you know, sometimes it is a last minute scramble to see, oh, no, can somebody call in? So if it's also, if it's breaking news, um, you know, like when Mr. Palmer passed, you know, we were just, I was just at work right. and, and, you know, it's, hey, can we get somebody else now? You know, let's, we need another phone or can we get somebody else? You know, just trying to fill the show up, you know, and that's more of a breaking news and, um, you know, we, as, as we go, you're just trying to fill the content. I think so it would be safe to say it was, that this is not a not a job for the faint-hearted. No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. so go ahead, glad Cindy, that I brought you up. Well, I'm so glad I brought you up the way I did. <laughs> all <laughs> yes. the craziness has given you the uh, experience to be able to handle all this chaos. It's funny because. When you said, um, I have a golf emergency. Yes. So tell us about that. It's for real. What do you mean? So a a golf emergency, we just say it, you know, if it's something like uh, breaking. So uh, let's say Tiger Woods when he was playing and you'd be following him, and especially with the stuff with his back, if he then withdraws, right, and you want to try to get a camera to see where he's, if he's leaving or, you know, be oh, golf emergency, you know, if, if something happens <laughs> on the course, it's, it, you know, it's not really a total emergency, but it's a golf emergency, you know. In our world, if we're covering golf, we need to, um, you know, be prepared and get that. So, you know, if somebody withdraws, you know, and it, it, mainly it's like a Tiger thing, but, you know, that's you know, a golf emergency. <laughs> hmm. Now, awesome. you, let me ask you uh, on a more personal note: Are you more personality-wise? Are you a little closer to your mom or your dad? 
who, who totally you emulate more in your personality? I'm, I am I am exactly like my mother. Everyone, even yesterday when I walked into the compound, I had a visor on and my hair, and pigtails, and sunglasses, and they heard me talking and they thought my mom was there. <laughs> Literally, really? one of the cam one of the camera guys said that they thought that you were there, mom. Yes. Oh, cool. Who was it? I think you should have Faco. said, oh, hi, I'm Cindy Miller. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tell Faco I said I look hi, like I love him. I will, I will. Plus, I look like her a lot. We smile very similar. Oh, wow. That's too Interesting. funny. Um, tell so us what, what do you have to do Tell us about your involvement with the Olympics. That's, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. His question's better than mine. Well, I didn't hear it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, the Olympics. Tell us about your involvement with the Olympics, what you had to do for that. Yeah. Can I ride with you? Hold on one second. Oh. Yep. Yeah, she's like you, Cindy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to trying to multitask, doing too many things at once. Um, not a problem. Yeah, Just for she... those of you tuning in, we're, of course, joined by, by uh, Cindy's wonderful daughter, uh, Kelly, who's uh, live at the Players' Championship in Contra Vida, Florida. And okay, uh, she's back, just uh, chatting with one of her – okay, um, she's back. And, uh, sorry. Um, anyways, um, <laughs> Kelly, tell us a little bit about uh, – what. that's not a, not a problem. We, we know you have to do that. You're on the fly, so we're, we're grateful for whatever you can spare. <laughs> tell us a little bit about your involvement with the Olympics, what you have to do with the Olympics. Yes, yeah, so um, my first trip was in uh, Sochi, and – I was the producer for Jimmy Roberts, um, so I cut pieces for uh, NBC. So all the pieces aired on NBC, and there are many, there are many features, and there, you know, essays and stuff like that. So the first one I did, it didn't have anything to do with golf. So and even when I just worked in Rio, I don't even think we did. We didn't even do a piece on golf. And Jimmy works with NBC Golf. Um, here. So it's just, you know, features and stories and things that they can talk about. You're so not paying it's, attention. It's, it's really cool. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's crazy. Um, so it's features and stuff that I was able to do. So it was really cool because it's so many people, it's so much bigger than what you would think. And it's really neat that, you know, millions of people were able to see things that I was cutting and putting together. But it was really funny because in Rio, I didn't even get to go to the golf course because I was cutting and editing the whole time. Really? Yes. What's cutting mean? Define cutting. That means putting together um, with an editor. So if I it was putting together a piece – hold on one second – Now you have so to be basically, able to, we would do, to... we would do interviews. Sorry, we would do interviews, and um, Jimmy would write a script, and then I would sit with an editor, and we would put a piece together. So we would um, that would be cutting. So basically, when we would be putting together the feature, is what cutting is. So just another word for putting it together. Cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, it's very it's very evident you multitask like your mother does very well, of course. But um, <laughs> it's uh, it, it's something you it's something you've got to got to be able to do. And and I know sometimes yeah. week to week, I'm not sure if she's listening to me either. So I, I don't feel offended <laughs> in any way. But, <laughs> um, but, but listen, Kelly, I, I, we, we know you're we know you're su- we know you're super busy. So if you need to go, you just you just say the word. But um, um, it, it sounds like obviously you have a very very exciting job. Was this something that you really um, really wanted to aspire to to get into this, uh, or is it just sort of by happenstance that you just fell into place? I think that um, it definitely wasn't something that I wanted to. I didn't go to school for it. I didn't, um, you know, it was something that I went to school. We didn't have a television program, but I liked television that I wanted to see, so I did internships. Um, and I did internships, and 
you know, kind of like the TV aspect of everything. And so um, my mom was on the big break, and she, when we came down for the PGA show one year, um, I think it was in 2004, before I graduated college in 2005, um, I was able to meet one of the producers of the show. And, you know, I that was just a warm contact that I made. I ended up graduating. I did another internship with Golf Digest to see if I wanted to do some more marketing and stuff. And, you know, I graduated. I worked for my mom. I worked at a restaurant. And, you know, I was like, oh, let's try to get maybe something in TV or whatever. So I applied um, for a job at the Golf Channel and didn't hear anything for a year and a half or so. And then randomly out of the blue, I got a call saying they had a PA position open um, for a freelance, a, a production associate position. Uh, it would be freelance and it would be for this show called Chasing the Dream, Following the Canadian Tour Around. Um, and mm-hmm. if I was interested, and they definitely were still interviewing other people. I was living in Buffalo at the time, living at home. Uh, so basically, I did an interview, 15-minute interview over the phone, and three days later, they called me and said I got the job. So it wasn't even, it was just fell into wow. my hands, kind of, and I moved down in two weeks. I moved to Florida and started the job, and that was freelance. And then by the end of the summer, I had a staff position on our new in our news department, uh, and just kind of worked my way up from there. So I started as a production associate um, on our in our news programming, and you know, then became an associate producer, then a feature producer, and then I worked now on um, now I'm the talent booking producer. So it's it's been a journey. It definitely it wasn't something that I was oh I want to be in golf television, but it's you know it's fun. I like golf, so it's always exciting. I think it's interesting, too, sweetie, that you tell them that you're really not that good at golf. I mean, you've outdriven me a couple times, and you can break 90, but you play, what, once a year? If that, now. But, yeah, but I still, if I could play more, I would. But, you know, I can make a birdie, but I can also make an eight (laughs) and a lot of bogeys. Like the rest of us, right? (laughs) Yep, exactly. Now, obviously, you mentioned earlier in the segment uh, about uh, your 18-month-year-old. Um, obviously, that, that presents its own challenges, um, motherhood, and, and having to uh, deal with it with a little, uh, a little one. Um, is it tough sometimes trying to balance that out? Because obviously, you get a lot of demands from work. Is it, is it tough sometimes, or you just sort of uh, sling the little one on your shoulders and, and, and travels with you, or how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> I wish she could travel with me. Um, it, it's, you know, it's juggling it, and it's nice that, um, you know, our daycare, in case there is breaking news, is open later. But, you know, she's home, and she's not running – I mean, she's running around a little bit. But, you know, the good thing about my job is I can talk on the phone. You know, sometimes she may be crying in the background, and people understand that. And Or, you know, when Mr. Palmer passed, my husband, who also works for Golf Channel, was actually producing the show that night, um, and I was mm-hmm. at home. I was packing because I was going to the Ryder Cup the next day, and, you know, breaking news happens, and I actually had to bring Kingsley to work with me. And so Alex Russell, one of our, our guest liaison who works with me in player relations, you know, was sitting with Kingsley in her stroller in the green room while I was doing work. And, you know, then Ben was able to get off. So, I mean, sometimes it can be difficult, but we juggle it and we get it done. So it's all good. One of the things I loved about being on the big break was all the people that work at the Golf Channel, and they are truly like a family, and that's one of the reasons I said you've got to put your resume in at this place because they are so much fun. So tell us about all the friends you've made. Yeah, I mean, we are like a big family, you know, I and it's, you work so closely, and especially when you travel, you know, you get to you get to know people a lot more, and you're with them all day, and, you know, it really is like a family, and it's really just fun. We have a good time. It's not, I mean, it's it's golf TV, so, yes, it's serious, but we can also have fun with it, too, you know? So, you know, I, I c- couldn't work with more, you know, better people. That's awesome. Hmm. Very, very interesting. Um You've obviously seen a lot of advancements in technology on uh, on the sets. I'm sure you know uh, cameras change and, and different uh, uh, different shots and, and with the video production and stuff like that. What's some of the coolest stuff that you've seen here, maybe in the last few years, that you guys are doing now that maybe they didn't do, you know, 10, 15, 20, even 20 years ago? Um, well, a huge difference is the the tape stock and stuff that you have to bring. I remember when I first started 
we were doing on beta ST tapes that were huge um, tapes, even <laughs> just to bring something for a three-day shoot. It was my luggage would be full. One bag would just be full of tapes. So now we shoot on XD discs or even just hard drives. Yeah, our like little mini mini right. cards that they they put the video onto a hard drive and we bring that back. You know, a lot of times for a morning drive, you know, that we have iPhones and there's FaceTime. If we want to see somebody on camera, if we have a guest, so you know, not that people's schedules aren't always open to get to a studio or you know get somewhere. So the the advancements with, that we can have FaceTime or there's Skype, but we um, and all these other video ways to get people to join. It, it opened up to us having, you know, more guests instead of just having a telephone interview. You know, you can actually see somebody on camera and they can do it from, you know, the comfort of their own home or a hotel room if they're traveling or something. Do you ever um, have the desire to get on the other sides of the camera? Uh, do you ever no. have an, inter- an interest in – no. <laughs> all right. Well, that was, Not at that all. was a short answer. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Yeah. Not yeah. at all. Why? I like – behind the camera is fine for me because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. I mean, it's um, not that you, I couldn't do it, but I, I just, I prefer to be on the other side. <laughs> is it a control thing? Very good. No. Cause you, you're in control of what you're doing on the air. Like they have to get, you know, nuggets and stuff. Like I don't want to have to look perfect all the time and pretty like I'm, you know, here, I don't care if my makeup looks all right or I'm, you know, they have to deal with a lot of the, you know, stuff that you wouldn't think about. There's a lot of things that goes into being right. on there too that a lot of people don't know. So, I, I definitely would. I don't think so. <laughs> they, they they do a great job, and there's a lot of stuff they need to do. <laughs> I like everything else behind the scenes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I we'll think take you, that. you've definitely got. Yeah. Yeah, you found a talent that that works well for you and. And uh, obviously you do it very, very well because the Golf Channel has some great productions that go on, and we know that you're a big part of it. Um, Kelly, we know that you have to, to go. You've got, uh, and we're running out of time here anyway, so that works out perfect. Okay. But thank you very much for joining us, uh, your you. mom and I, this morning. And, and uh, we'll, hope you co- yeah, we'll hope you come back uh, in, in the future and, and share some, some other stories with us, maybe some, uh, some breaking headline or breaking news. Definitely. Thanks for having thank me. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. All right. Have Bye. a great week. All right, bye-bye. All right, that was uh, another great guest, uh, your daughter Kelly. Uh, what a great – you know, you can hear, Cindy, um, that just the enthusiasm that she has uh, about her job. For somebody that didn't go to school, as she, as she elo- eloquently stated earlier, didn't go to school for that or didn't prepare for this, um, this opportunity has presented itself, and obviously she's just taken it and made it her own. You know, she really has. It's funny that um... – I said to her, how do you know how to do this? And she said, I have no idea. And I remember when she first started, she would call me crying, saying, I have no idea how I'm going to get this done for the show at 6 o'clock tonight. And so she really was, you know, trial by fire. But what's funny, when she right. was younger, she would she was a cheerleader, and she was always choreographing dances and music and and so she's always liked that and now she's doing it professionally which is pretty cool yeah very it's very easy to tell it's a natural fit you know just listening to her talk and explain the different components of what her job entails it's very evident that she's really um you know really I won't say mastered it because you're always learning uh, at any job that you do, but she's definitely much more comfortable in her surroundings um, than I'm sure she was when she first started. And, and that's, uh, you know, that some people might've just walked away and said, I can't do this and can't handle that. And she's decided to stick with it. And, and uh, as I said, made her her own and, and does a great job and uh, very exciting too. You know, I think it would be a very exciting opportunity for anybody um, to be able to, to get into uh, a group like that in an organization and, um, you know, she'll have some lifelong friends come out of that, I'm sure. Absolutely. And on that note, uh, Mrs. Miller, we, we have to say goodbye to our audience. We want to thank everybody, of course, uh, once again for, for uh, joining us. And, uh, again, thanks to our special guests, uh, Tim Forbes and, and Kelly Miller, uh, Alicia, for, for joining us this morning on uh, the Women of Golf show. And it's really through their participation and guest appearances that really helped to make 
uh, the Women of Golf a uh, first-class show. And, of course, my co-host with the Mostus uh, does a fantastic job each and every week as well, uh, getting us some great guests lined up here and, and some of our own great talents and uh, appreciate her very much. And, and so we owe her a, a debt of, of gratitude. But thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next Tuesday um, at 9 o'clock Eastern right here on the Women of Golf. Thanks, Denise. Have a great week. You too, Ted. Thanks. Bye-bye.